Lord, we come once again and uh, we ask for your help. What I am about to do is completely over my head. It is something I am in and of myself unable to do with any degree of effectiveness. And so I look to you, Lord, and specifically, God, I, I thank you for your spirit who is in me, who is in this place, in these people, through Christ, such that as I speak, I speak from a gifting that you have bestowed sovereignly and empowered through him, the spirit. In such a way that as these words are communicated, the people hear from you, Lord, not just from me. We thank you for how you work in this. And I pray that you would land these words, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, that our affections for you would grow and that we would see more glory than when we arrived this morning. And that we would go home and be more depending upon you and delighting in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God, the Holy Spirit, the third member or the third person of the Godhead. And so whenever you see a phrase like that, you, you see that's fairly significant. The third, we say the third, because as we learned uh, in the sermon on God the Father, there is in fact hierarchy in the Trinity. The Father is supreme over all. He is uh, the first among equals. They are co-equal in their essence and essential nature, and there are three persons. And those persons are distinguished not only by their revelation of themselves, but their roles that they function and serve. And the Father serves as kind of the, the head among the members of the Trinity. He planned. He designed the plan. And then He sends the Son to accomplish the plan, and the Spirit then to apply the plan. So when we say the third member, we don't mean third as in he's in third place of lesser value. We mean he is among the, the members of the Godhead. He is a third. The first being the Father, the second being the Son, the third person being the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, Francis Chan wrote a book, a good book a while ago, and the title was Forgotten God. The whole book was about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you know, that's, that's true. Why is it that the Holy Spirit is such an enigma to most of us? I, I see this again and again. Well, who is the Spirit? Who is He? And so part of my goal today, and one of the reasons for this kind of shotgun blast of Scripture, is that we would know Him, and we would see Him work in specific ways. We believe and teach that the Holy Spirit is fully God co-equal with the Father and the Son, eternal and of the same essence. He was active in the creation of the world, the incarnation of Christ, the writing of Holy Scripture. He continues to be personally active in the work of salvation, accomplishing all the divine will and glorifying the Father and the Son. God the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment and is the divine and sovereign agent in regeneration, baptizing, placing all believers into the body of Christ, the church. The Holy Spirit permanently indwells all believers from the moment of salvation, illuminating and teaching them the truth of God's word, gifting and empowering them for the building of the church, and sealing and sanctifying them unto the day of redemption. All believers are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, giving clear evidence of a Spirit-controlled life. Okay, so the amount of Scripture that is informed by those words uh, is, is voluminous. It's all online. You can actually pull up our website and you can hover over those Scripture links. It's the fastest way to look up verses. I love it. Uh, and you can just look at all the Scripture that goes into those statements. Much of that we will cover today, believe it or not. I told Kathy on Friday, I think Joe was in there as well, I said a normal sermon that I preach has around 40 slides. This sermon on Friday had 75. Uh, so let's go get it, okay? Let's do this. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not a force. Don't think Star Wars when you think Holy Spirit, okay? That is not who He is. Now, he is able and he moves 
And uh, he indwells and fills, and we're going to look at all of that. But he is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a he, referred to as a person that we can know. He is, in the masculine sense, the, in, in that revelation of God. So uh, whether you're reading the shack or all kinds of garbage like that that seeks to redefine the Trinity under the guise of fiction, don't buy it. And please don't watch that movie. That movie will mess you up. That, the shack is a, a farce. It's a false God. And I think it's a breach of many of the Ten Commandments. The Spirit is not some ethereal, mystical, floaty-woaty thing. He is the Holy Spirit. He is a He. I'll give you some examples of this. Our main passage. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, speaking to His disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him. You see this? Him. I'm going to send Him, the person of the Holy Spirit, to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What an amazing statement Jesus says. I have things to say to you. You're not ready for them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of truth. For he will not speak of his own authority. You see the hierarchy here, the submission of the spirit to the son now. Just as the son submitted his will to the father, the spirit is submitting his will to both the son and the father. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A lot of revelation about the person of the Holy Spirit there. Another significant passage is this one in John 14. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, a helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, this is before Pentecost, okay, before even the crucifixion. He's saying, he's here, the Spirit is here, but he's with you, but he will be in you. What an amazing statement that is. Hmm. I will not leave you as orphans. I, Jesus says, will come to you. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Some have asked, how is it that the gospel writers chronicled accurately and precisely all of these experiences? Well, here's one of the reasons. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, bringing to their minds with flawless precision the things that Jesus taught them, and then writing those down for our benefit. So much to see. The third point I want to make is this, and we saw this just in that last uh, uh, paragraph. Jesus Christ is present with his people through the Holy Spirit. There is an amazing reality in this. Uh, this co-equality and unity functions not only in the, the ascension of Christ when he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father, but when he sends what is referred to many times as the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to indwell the people of God. It, it can be said that it is Christ who is present with us as the Spirit dwells in us. That's pretty awesome. There's mystery there. There's mystery. The presence of Jesus Christ, unbound in His divinity, omnipresent in that, and at the same time in His humanity, 
localized in a place with a glorified body. What an amazing mystery. You remember in the Great Commission when Jesus said, Behold, I will be with you always. I, Jesus says, will be with you always, even to the end of the age, through the Holy Spirit. That is how Christ is with us. It's through His Spirit. Here's another reference to this. Colossians 1. Boy, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's thunder from where you're going in the next couple weeks. I'll just say this verse. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. Through the Spirit of God. That's incredible. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Buckle up your seatbelt. Let's do this. We're going to cruise through here. And what I would encourage you to do is fill in the blanks and then make, make little notes. There's scripture references that we're going to be covering along the way. And, and I'll just say on the outset, I don't have enough time to be totally comprehensive here. There's other moves and, and, and works of the Spirit. I tried to capture as many as I could. And so I'll, I'll do my best to cover all this ground. First of all, the Spirit convicts. We've seen this in a couple different passages. The one that, uh, that rings out the clearest is that, that John 16, 8. When He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, one of the things we understand in the function of the proclamation of the Gospel is that if a, a, a sinner who is in sin is not convicted of his sin, he doesn't need a Savior. What is the good news if you don't have bad news? How does the bad news weigh on the human soul if they're blind? The Spirit of God convicts of sin. He opens our heart and our mind and our eyes to feel the, the weight and the offense of our sin against God and, and then to cry, I need a Savior. And then He directs us to the face of Jesus. Okay? So conviction of sin. We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Full conviction. So they, they preached and they know that God has chosen, He has acted, He has worked because the Spirit of God met them in that proclamation with power and full conviction. What must we do to be saved? That's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Both in conversion and in the Christian life. In the sanctif sanctifying work of the Spirit. You, you just have to say this. When a Christian sins and he feels guilty for that sin, where does that come from? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit saying, what is going on? We're light here. Not darkness. This is to be righteous, not unrighteous. Don't, don't put your hand on the burner and leave it there. Address that sin. Call it what it is. Confess it. Take it to the cross. That's grace, friends. Believers should understand the tremendous, loving, generous grace of God in guilt. When you feel guilty, that's good. It's good news because we have a place to take that guilt. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a place to go. Mm. Secondly, the Holy Spirit converts. He converts. The Father chooses. The Son accomplishes. And the Holy Spirit brings life. Conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. When you were saved. You were saved by the powerful working of God through the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. It's called regeneration. This is a great word. You might jot that word down and do some research on it. Uh, look it up. What does that mean? What's that theological phrase? What are the verses that build this out? New birth is the work of the Spirit. Jesus says in John 6, it is the Spirit who gives life the flesh is no help at all. What an amazing statement that is. 
You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself live. Lazarus in the tomb, four days dead, can't do anything about the state that he is in. Only God can make him live. And specifically for those likewise dead in our sins, slaves of Satan, blinded, we can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. We have no ability or desire to save ourselves. And God comes to us in that place and says, let there be light. And that is the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. That's awesome. I hope you can rewind the tape on your testimony and try to discern. Some of you can't always see exactly when you were saved, but at a point along the way, we know there was a moment where the Spirit of God opened your eyes, caused you to see Christ, feel the weight of your sin, to see hope in Him. And the first words you spoke were, save me. That's fruit, not root. That's the effect, not the cause. That's the Spirit is the cause of life. That's awesome. That's awesome. John 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. Jesus is just reminding us being born again is essential for salvation. You have to be born again to be saved. How are you born again? By the Holy Spirit. An act of a sovereign God. Titus chapter 3, 3 to 6. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's a great description of blindness, darkness, godlessness. Just this is what we did. We're living our own lives. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration. There's our word. And renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's the function of the Holy Spirit that made you live, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. What an awesome display of Trinitarian salvation and glory titus chapter 3 the third thing that we see that the holy spirit does is that he unites us he unites us specifically with jesus we are united with christ and we are placed or or baptized into the body of christ united with his people so it's a double unification we have this union with christ through the spirit and a union with one another the body of christ through the work of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's the church. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens the moment of salvation. You are brought into union with Jesus and you are grafted right in and made a a member of the body of Christ. You are filled fully at the moment of salvation with the Holy Spirit. He is there. You are full. What does it mean then to be filled with the Spirit? I would describe it like uh, Kevin DeYoung did this past week. It's a fuller fullness. It's a fuller fullness. You have Him all. He's all there. But how much of you does He have? The more that I submit to Him, the more of my heart that I, that I give and in step with Him, obey and, and join in partnership with Him, the fuller I am. It's like if you blow up a balloon. You say, well, is it full? Well, yeah, it's full. What if you blow more air in it? Well, it's fuller. It's a fuller fullness. Be like that with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Surrendered to Him. In step with Him. Hmm. Fourth, the Spirit indwells. The Spirit indwells. Jesus said He dwells with you and will be in you to His disciples. On that side of the cross and of Pentecost. And then we see this, that we are the new temple. The old temple 
It was a shadow. The new temple is realized in the body of Christ. Each member, a brick, being built into a, a temple of God. Not only that, but our own bodies are temples because the Spirit dwells in us. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What's the command then? So glorify God with your body. Sometimes people, they push down the flesh. They, they see the body as just evil and corrupt. No way. That's not how the Scriptures present. Your body is the place that the Spirit of God dwells. And it will be raised imperishable someday. Your body matters. And we are to live like that. Fifth thing the Spirit of God does is He confirms. This is such a gift. He confirms. Listen to this verse. The, the Holy Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's special. There's a function, a work that the Holy Spirit does in us as we walk with Christ and as we deal with our sin and as we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ that the Spirit is, is pointing out and, and reassuring us, yes, that's what a believer does. Yes, that's what a child does. Yes, you are a son. You are a daughter. Remember His promises. Cling to Him. Look to Him. Even this morning, He can be working like that in your life. Do you realize He is here? He's here right now. He's doing work. As I speak, He's working in you. The Holy Spirit. Sixth, He illuminates. I love this one. I, I just remember learning this in Bible school and just, it just, ah, oh, love it. Why do I see anything when I read the Bible? Why do I get excited to dig and study and learn and grow? At the end of the day, that's the Holy Spirit opening my eyes to truth and wonder and glory. It's the work of God. Listen to this. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all of truth. Again, this is before Pentecost. And so Jesus is saying He's coming and He is going to be active in your longing and yearning to discover what is true and good and who I am and what I've taught. 1 Corinthians, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, the Holy Spirit, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. You see that? That's this. That's your Bible. Okay? We impart this to you, church, in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Wow interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then he says this, the natural person, someone who does not have the Holy Spirit in them, they don't accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able. He lacks the ability. So we talked about this in Sunday school, our final class on evangelism. One of the most challenging parts of evangelizing is when you're met with a blank stare as you see glory and they see nothing. Foolishness and folly. What do you do? You keep speaking and you keep praying. Lord, open their eyes. Save them. Illumine their mind by the power of the Holy Spirit so that, so that they can see what we see and delight and feel for you what we feel. cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so, friends, when you study God's Word, when you dig in the Word, you are ministered to at every moment by the Holy Spirit. When you sit under teaching from God's Word, when you sing songs filled with the truth of God's Word, the Spirit of God is at work teaching, instructing, 
impressing, stirring affections for God. When you sing his praise, that is the work of the Spirit in connection with the Word. But just say it this way, never pit the Holy Spirit against the Holy Scriptures. We have this, this, this problem, and it's, it's, it's basically a statement of saying, the Bible is not sufficient. I need more. And so many churches these days, they're all about the Holy Spirit. And they're all out here. Oh, Spirit, come. It's all about the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. And we're talking about this, but we're not digging in His Word. This is, this is the, the work of the Spirit right here. You want to hear a word from God? Don't look out there. The Spirit is screaming from here. Here is the voice of God. Authoritative, sufficient. All that you need, friends, through the Spirit, right here, in His Word. To be a people of the Word is to be a people of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever pit that one against another. Some of you have come from charismatic, extreme, even extreme charismatic backgrounds and you have seen the contrast of this. And you've experienced in your own life what it looks like then to just bury your face in this book and experience the work of the Spirit. Live through the words. Hmm. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is this book. That, that is this is, this is the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit right here. The irony of this is it would be like saying, I just longed to drive a race car. I was made to drive a race car. I, I just want to drive a race car so bad and I just don't know what to do. When a Lamborghini is parked in your driveway and you're holding the key and you're looking everywhere else and, and it's like, just get in that one. That's amazing. It's the greatest race car you could ever imagine and it's just sitting there for you the word of god through the spirit of god is the voice of god that will change you and transform your life to be spirit led then is to be scripture saturated that's what it looks like spirit leading is scripture saturated number seven the Spirit glorifies, kind of in keeping with this, this, this flow as we understand these things. The Spirit glorifies who? Who does the Spirit glorify? Well, in some churches, even today, you would go in and answer, from what I've witnessed, the Spirit glorifies Himself. It's all about the manifestations of the Spirit. And, and there's so much stuff happening, going on, that is just talking about drawing attention to the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, is that's not what we read in here. That's, that's not what we see the, 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 the goal of the Holy Spirit to be. He, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus Christ. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is a simple little verse, but it is like a watershed when you think about the priority of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Whether it be the gifts of the Spirit, whether it be the, the, the leading of the Spirit, the prompting of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the focus of the Spirit is Jesus. In part, that's why sometimes we struggle to connect with the Spirit because His whole ministry is kind of behind the scenes and the focus is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. A cross-centered church is a spirit-filled church. If you love Jesus more than anything, you are filled with the Spirit and following His lead. You can never be too cross-centered. Hmm. J.I. Packer says it this way, the Spirit's message to us is never, look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me but always look at Him and see His glory. Listen to Him. Hear His Word. Go to Him and have life. Get to know Him 
and taste of the gift of His joy and peace. That's, that's the work of the Spirit. It's one of the ways you can be discerning when you're changing channels on your TV. In the, in the name or the function of the Holy Spirit, who is the focal point? Is it Jesus or is it something else? We can cut through a lot of the chaos by just that simple formula. Just asking, what's the priority? What's the focal point? Who is being exalted here? The man on the stage doing this, right? Dropping, you know, people down and all of this stuff. Or the people rolling around. Who is being exalted here? When Jesus is glorified, the Spirit is at work. It's, it's not complicated, friends. It's, it's very simple. But the abuses are rampant. And many are led astray by this. It's, it's this experiential thing. Kind of like this cosmic force just stirs up in me and takes over. And here's the thing that I warn you about. If it's not from God, where's it from? That's the question to ask. The angel of light who masquerades as an angel of light is gifted and talented at, at presenting counterfeits. And we need to be discerning. Is Christ glorified? Or is it all about the experience of power? Be discerning, Christians. The Spirit sanctifies as well. The Spirit sanctifies. This is an amazing word. Listen to the opening of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and then I skip down here, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood. Two, two things primarily in view as he addresses the work of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the, the sprinkling of Jesus' blood. What is that? That is the forgiveness, the atoning work of Christ applied by the Holy Spirit. Second, the obedience, for, for obedience to Christ. That would be the power to obey. So two things in view. In the Holy Spirit, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am given a new position. I am sanctified, set apart, made holy. I stand righteous in the eyes of God the Father through the, the royal robe of, of righteousness of Jesus. I'm set apart, sanctified. I have a new position. And at the same time, I am called to holiness, to be who I am. Now, now live, Christian, like you are forgiven, like you are free, like you do love the light and, and obey Him. Well, how am I to do that? By the Spirit. By the Spirit. In our day, we need to emphasize both of these. If you under-esteem uh, and value your new position in Christ, you can lose sight of that and then think that you're trying to earn something as you obey. And you get into all kinds of problems then. Legalism, least of which would be the, the, the nightmare that that happens there. However, if you, don't, uh, if you overstate this and then you don't state how important it is to obey and submit and, and by the power of the Spirit walk in obedience... Well, then you can just cheapen His grace. I'm, I'm messed up. This is who I am. I'm righteous in the eyes of Jesus. I do whatever I want. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6, may it never be. And so we're met in Romans 8, verse 13, like this. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That is what it looks like to be an unsaved person, to, to be bound for hell. You live however you want according to the flesh, and you will die. Die there means perish, as in hell. But, in contrast to that, if by the Spirit, see this, this that, that, that is so important that we see that. If by the power of the Spirit, you mortify, put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Oh, wait a second, Pastor. That sounds like I am earning my salvation. Doesn't it sound like I'm, I'm working over here now? I am, by the power of the Holy Spirit, trying to make myself live? That's not what he says, and he clarifies this. 
all who are led by the Spirit are sons. You are a son. You are a daughter. So live like it. And put to death the deeds of the body. Kill sin in your life. Be at home with God and at odds with sin, not the other way around. This is such a critical, critical piece for us to understand in the work of sanctification in in the Christian life. Because sin is not easily battled with, is it? It's so hard to fight and win. And in our own strength, we lose. We lose. But if by the Spirit's power, we put to death those sins, we, like Jesus did, win. Jesus is our example in this. His dependence upon the Holy Spirit as He walked on this earth was perfect And though tempted and tried in every way, he was without sin. Through the power of the Spirit that he trusted and looked to and prayed to and depended on, he is our example. It can be done. Through the one who resides in you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a warning. That's a call. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean that I am more sovereign than God. And the Holy Spirit's over there just wringing his fist like, boy, I hope he just cooperates with me, but I can't really do anything about it. That's not what this is saying. The Holy Spirit in you is God. He is sovereign. And yet, he can be grieved. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. I'm walking through my life. I am tempted to sin. The Spirit convicts me. He's, he's, he's there. He's speaking. Don't do it. Stay on the path. Choose life. Choose light. Choose truth. Burn a bigger fire. And I look and I say, nah, I'm going here. You see what I've done? I've chosen darkness. I've chosen emptiness. I've chosen a dead-end street over the work of the Spirit in my life. And when I do that, I grieve the Spirit. I grieve the Spirit. He doesn't give up on us, does He? We do that every day. We all did that all week long. In one way or another. Points along the way. Conviction. Turn. Look to Jesus. Choose life. Listen to his voice. Obey his word. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. In coordination with our conscience, made sensitive by the spirit of God through the word of God, increasingly so as we obey. Such that as I walk with Jesus over the years and live in his word, and his spirit is increasingly my joy and my delight to cooperate with and and walk in step with, I become more despising of my sin. I hate it more. It's less desirable. And life and joy and peace is so much better. The work of the Spirit. To sanctify. To convict. To embrace the Holy Spirit is to embrace holiness. Right? That's, That's what we're talking about. Don't ever pit holiness against chasing after the Spirit. If you think something is spirit-led and it involves sin, it's not spirit-led. Had an elder in our church in California announce he, was, he had heard a word from the Lord. And the word was he was supposed to divorce his wife of many years and marry this woman that he had fallen in love with. And we were able to say, I'd, I'll be honest with you, there is absolutely no way that that's the voice of God. That's coming straight from the pits of hell. Don't believe it. Well, he didn't listen. And he went ahead because he heard a word from the Lord. Let's just pause here for a second. When you hear from God, make sure it's in accord with his word. Otherwise, it's not God. The voice of God is here. That's where I hear from him. Now, he leads and he prompts and he directs and he convicts and he'll stir me to pray and but the the authoritative, sufficient Word of God shapes our lives 
and it happens through here. This is the Spirit's work, the channel of our blessing. So just be encouraged with that. We, we have a lot of, well, God told me to, you know, sell my home, and, and I'm supposed to move to, you know, Antarctica and live with the penguins. And, and you're like, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you argue with that? What, how does that meet the par of biblical revelation if God told me? What do you say? In college, it was always the thing. There was always those guys who were like, God told me to marry you. I mean, I know, I guarantee it was God who told me to marry you. And the lady's like, he didn't tell me. <laughs> I didn't get that message. We got to be careful. You know, what's interesting is it's, it's borderline using the Lord's name in vain. If you attach his name to something, you might be breaking one of the Ten Commandments. So let's guard against that as a church and a congregation and, and follow the Spirit. If He prompts you to pray, then pray. He does that all the time. If He stirs in you a song, then sing it. Always in coordination with His Word. Number nine, the Spirit of God transforms, transforms. Listen to the fruit, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What an amazing statement. If it was the Holy Spirit who made you live at conversion, then every day of your life, Christian, walk by the Spirit. What does it look like? It looks like a tree laden with beautiful fruit, inviting those in. Come and be blessed. Come and be blessed. It meets love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Almost all of these are outward expressions of the Spirit of God in our lives. And to those who would roll around in the aisles or bark or whatever in the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It just has to be said. So we cut through some of the chaos with the Word. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit that hangs on the branches of your life as produced by the Holy Spirit. Awesome. May we be more like this. More every day. More and more. Number 10, the Spirit equips. He equips. We're talking about spiritual gifts here. This is one of my favorite passages on the spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That's a key word. You might underline that. His varied grace. He bestows differently, different gifts to different people in, in different ways. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. What's the goal? To promote yourself, as was happening in Corinth in a horrible way? No. No in order that in everything God may be glorified. That's the goal. Glorify God through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. So two pieces of this puzzle. One, to just say this, the Holy Spirit enabled abilities to serve the church and glorify God. That's what we're talking about. And this is not natural. This is supernatural blessing given by God for the purpose of building up the body and glorifying God. And Christian, you have it. It's given at the moment of salvation. You have this. Now, it doesn't mean that this is some ethereal thing. Sometimes you have this thing, like, oh, I've got to take this spiritual gift survey, and I'm so confused, and I added up my numbers wrong, so I got, you know, it says I'm supposed to do this. I don't even like that. Just forget the surveys. It's like programming the Holy Spirit. You can program your thermostat. Don't try to program the Holy Spirit, okay? What is it that you love to do? Employ that to the end of loving people and glorifying God. What do, you, do, you, do you like to speak? 
Is that something, there's kind of two categories, the one who speaks, then use that as, as a way to glorify God. Speaking, they're speaking gifts in various forms, and then there are serving gifts in all kinds of different forms. If the Spirit of God was not this morning at work, none of this stuff would be working. I'd be up here and you wouldn't be able to listen to a thing I was saying because it would be a mess. You'd be sitting on gum, first of all, because Chris wouldn't have been using his gift to come in and help clean, make sure the things were picked up and clean before he came. We wouldn't have lights working. My, my PowerPoint would be a total mess because Caleb back there would be playing games on the computer. You're not, are you? Okay, no, you're <laughs> Think of all the things that have gone already into this. Jesse was sick this week. Thursday, they didn't have a chance to practice. Last night, he texted, I'm having back spasms. Pray for me. Praise God, he was on his feet today, and we sang. That's the Spirit of God at work in Jesse and through the whole team. We need one another. We're all part of one another. One body, many members. We're leaving for three months, okay? There are incredible opportunities to band together as a church and and stand in the gap. There's some things that are going to need to be done, and and I'm not going to be here. You you guys are going to have to kind of link arms and, and lean into it, so we need your help. But don't come and be like, well, here's the deal. Uh, that's really not my spiritual gift. Holding babies that are crying and stinky. Like, is that on the, ch- the chart? Because who's going to do that? Right? Who, who's going to clean the toilets? Who's going to carry the weight of all of those things? It, it doesn't have to be specific on a survey to be your spiritual gift to glorify God and serve the body. Just go for it in a million different ways. Have people over to your house, right? Flipping burgers for the glory of God and having people in, showing hospitality. It's like an army, right? There's a hospital. Uh, there's people cooking food. There's people out there shooting the guns. There's people cleaning the guns. The, the, all of the various parts of, of the work, and we need all of those functioning in the church. I love to see this body in action. It's incredible. God is so good. Number 11, the Spirit of God intercedes and comforts. He intercedes and comforts. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't uh, know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. If I could only know the will of God, what am I to do? I don't know how to pray as I ought, Lord. It's okay. Because there is one who lives in you that does. He knows the will of God and he prays the will of God for you. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't you love him? When you get stuck and you're not sure what to say, it's okay. It's okay. He knows we're weak. So too, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And this is what describes them. They walked in the fear of the Lord. Yes. And, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There was a comfort, a role, the helper, the comforter who comes to encourage us, to strengthen us, to hold us up. The comfort of the Spirit and His intercession. Last He seals, He seals us for the day of redemption. This happens at the moment of salvation as well. You are saved by the power of the Spirit through Jesus Christ according to the will of the Father who eternally chose you to be a son or a daughter. And in that moment, all kinds of things happen. But one thing that happens is you are sealed by God through the Spirit. He places the Spirit like a seal. Think envelope and hot wax. And the royal ring of God with all His authority stamps the Spirit on your life and He's not going anywhere. You are His. You are marked for eternity. You will not be let go. You will not 
be lost, you will be raised up. In him you also, Paul writes in that amazing passage from Ephesians 1, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, Father's glory. What an amazing promise this is. So if we had to reduce down this, all these points into three, here's what it would be. We have, through the Holy Spirit, God's very presence in us, right here, right now, through Christ. Spirit's here. We have God's limitless power in us. Power to persevere. Power to overcome sin. Power to please Him. Power to obey Him. Power to love, to bear fruit, to serve, to speak. And we have God's promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Today. What a promise. So our response this morning. I just want to close with this. I, I pray that these sermons have been uh, fuel for your soul. To fire in passion and love for the Lord. That, that a greater understanding of God would, would cause us to, to, to stand in awe of Him. The God who is one. One God in three persons. Two words struck me as I thought about my journey in this series. It was, it was these two words. Just delighting and depending. Doesn't that capture who we are as believers? What does it mean to be a child of God? Well, it means that we delight in Him. We see Him. We love Him. We're in awe of Him. And we need Him. Every hour, I need You. Every hour, I need You. I see You. And I love You. And I need You. Let's pray. Father, we delight in You, the God of all glory. We thank You for all that You have accomplished. Your good purpose from eternity past ordained plan nothing out of place this is plan a we love you that we see you this morning that we can even call you father come before you to address you as our father is evidence of your love for us your work in us to save us by sending your son jesus to take all of our sin and and pay the wrath that we deserved. And then, by applying that victory through the power of Your Holy Spirit to raise us from the dead and, and to give us life and set us on the path of obedience and joy. We worship You. We honor You. We praise You. We delight in You. And we depend upon You, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.